Always a privilege to speak and uh, love being in this church at all times. I'm glad Pastor and Eunice are back. Pastor brought a cold back with him. I don't know if you noticed his voice sounded maybe a little cooler than usual. I was telling people <laughs> he's got the most amazing resonant voice and uh, with the cold. Now, on Tuesday, he couldn't talk at all. It was a whisper. And then Wednesday was a little worse. And then today, it's, it's back. So we're glad to have them back safe and sound. And, and as I said, it's a privilege to speak anytime. And I've been praying about this sermon for, for weeks. We, uh, you, you may have noticed on, on our church Facebook, we put up a link to the Version Bible app. So if you have that Bible app, use it on your phone or your tablet, you brought it with you. It's real simple to use if you just look at your Version, and then that's just my face on my phone, hit your, hit your Bible app. Then you go up in the corner, the upper right corner, hit the menu, the drop-down menu, it'll pop down and you look for a live presentation and if everything's working correctly, which we know technology always does, right? Yeah, oh, it's amazing when it works. So if it works correctly, then it should come right up with, uh, when you say search for a live event, it should come right up with Crown Point Church, and it should be right on top there. If not, you can always just put the zip code in, and it'll find, find the closest one to you. So you'll want to make sure you're following what I'm talking about today, not because it's like the best thing in town, it's just what we're talking about here. So you could be a little off if you're looking at someone else's notes there, but have you ever had this experience? You're driving along and you think everything's great and maybe you're, maybe you're a little, you know, you're driving, you're not looking at your phone, you're not texting or anything like that, but as you're driving, all of a sudden you see like maybe this in your rear view mirror. Oh, I hate that. And maybe as you're driving, you hear, can you hear that? And you start hearing that. Oh, my goodness. You know that feeling, right? Are you feeling it with me right now, that tension that's in you? Even, if, even though you're sitting here in church, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, where is my car? And it's a weird how that works with us. I know how I feel. I know right through my mind, I'm thinking, it's got to be somebody else, right? Because I'm not doing anything wrong. And my eyes automatically go right to my speedometer, and I'm thinking, well, what is the speed limit here? I don't even know what the speed limit is on this road I'm on. You know, I drive north on 291 here from the church, and I think they've done this on purpose, where the speed limit actually right over I-70 on 291 is like 60. No, it's like 60. And then uh, (laughs) what happens is it drops down to like 45, 35 within less than a mile. It's amazing. Amazing. I was actually driving some youth years ago, and I was... Have you ever done this where you follow your GPS, and it's taking you on some weird route, and you're thinking... Well, it must know. And I ended up, (laughs) I was actually in Oklahoma, but not on the normal freeways in Oklahoma. And and I noticed the speed limit signs were dropping, and you could see like the next one already. I'm thinking, what is going on here? And I'm trying to slow down without, you know, really pumping the brakes hard. And and I saw a police officer go this way, or, you know, highway patrolman, or whatever they call them in Oklahoma, I'm not sure, but. As he went flying that way, I thought, well, my goodness, where is he going? And then I realized, oh, he's coming after me. And I'm thinking, what could I have possibly done wrong? I'm following the, I'm dropping down. And and then he came up to the door and he invited me to enjoy the comfort of his automobile. So I remember going and sitting with him in the car there. And and, uh, I actually had shorts on that day. and, And if you don't know, I've got a prosthetic foot. And so he kept staring at that as I was walking. And I'm thinking, what, what is he actually even doing? I don't even know. And I sat down and he said, you realize you were speeding, right? I said, no, I didn't realize that. I was trying to go down. I said, I was going 40 when you, 
He goes, yeah, but you weren't, you weren't actually at 40 when you passed that sign. Like, oh my goodness, wow. And, and, and so I, I shouldn't have done this, but sometimes, does <laughs> this ever happen to you where the what comes out of your mouth isn't actually, I mean, you're thinking like, I shouldn't say this, but as you're hearing the words already have exited the mouth. So I said, oh, so is that what a speed trap is? And he looked at me and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, I said, well, I, I was slowing down, I, and I, I realized, I, I said, I, I thought for sure I was going 40 when I hit that. You know, my eyes are going back and forth between the signs and my speedometer. And uh, he goes, he just kind of chuckled a little bit, and then he changed the subject. He goes, so what happened to your foot? <laughs> I thought, okay. And so he's running my plates, and I'm sure, and then he already had my license, and he was running my license. And in the end, I mean, quick story, end of the story, he, wanted, he was more curious about my foot after that and wanted to talk about that and gave me a warning and then told me if I ever break the law in Oklahoma, now I'm on there anyway. Uh, I'm starting to calm down now. Just remembering that whole thing and remembering the experience. And there have been other times when I got pulled over and I realized they got me. Anybody else ever had that? And you know you did, and, and it was different than that one time where I spoke before thinking, and, and right when the officer came up to my window, what do you do? What do you do? Just be super polite, right? <laughs> and I used to be, I'd be digging in my, my glove box for my, uh, my insurance, and now I don't even do that because I don't want to freak them out and make them think I'm reaching for something else or anything. You know, I, I want, above all, I want them to know I'm super respectful, and I'm going to own whatever I did wrong. But I have that adrenaline. Do you guys have that? I'm thinking, just that sound and that lights, I don't know what the deal is. And anyway, as I, I remember uh, talking to a police officer once at the, at the window and just thinking, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have done it, you know, I'm, I'm wrong. And then I had this officer once say this, he goes, do you think you're going to get out of the ticket if you just tell me you're wrong? <laughs> and honestly, I, I wasn't thinking that. I just said, no, I'm just telling you, I realized, you know, what I did there. He said, good, here's your ticket, boom. And uh and this is years ago, and I'd heard that, you know, it's still good to go to court, you know, and, and perhaps they'll, I mean, it's just good to go to court. I remember standing in front of the judge, and um, he, <laughs> I told him, yeah, I'm guilty. I, I did it. You know, I was going, whatever it was, 10, 15 over the speed limit, you know, and, and in California, that's kind of a big deal for them at the time. And, and um, he said, yes, yes, you did, and he gave me the fine. And I remember walking out of there, and someone in the hallway said, why didn't you fight that? I said, well, I, I did it. Well, what are you even doing here? And then I was starting to ask myself the same question. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just wanted to face it and, and own it, I guess, you know. And, and the person walked away with their head shaking. And I started to think about that for a minute. And I started to think about the fact that I didn't get any grace that day. I wasn't looking for grace. I really wasn't. But I didn't get any. And I walked out of there thinking, can you imagine if I would have stood there? Now, a traffic ticket is one thing. You know, I wasn't endangering anybody's life in this case. It wasn't like I, you know, ran through a stop sign and, uh, in a school zone or anything. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like I, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like that. It wasn't like I had, had you know, committed a, a murder or something. And then, but still, I remember walking out of the courthouse and just thinking about grace and what grace really means. Because grace, mercy would have been had the judge said, you know what, you know, your ticket for this, if the fine for this is $150, I'm going to let you out of here with $100. Or, that would have been merciful. 
But that's not really the full definition of grace. Grace would have been, hear me clearly, because I'm sure this never happens for real in real life, but mercy would have been had the judge said, you are guilty, you're not trying to get out of it, I see that you did it, you've owned that you've done it, but I'm going to actually pay his fine bailiff. And if the judge would have pulled out his wallet and pulled out $150 and then said paid in full, that would have been grace. Because I didn't deserve it, but he paid it for me. Now, that didn't happen to me. I would love to tell you that story. It didn't happen to me. It didn't happen that way. I walked out, paid the full fine and deserved to and wasn't happy about it, but at least I knew I deserved it. But that's really what grace is. Grace comes when we, we realize what we've done wrong, we admit it, we own it, and then we face up to it. But really, that's not much, that's not common, is it? Even in our relationships at our marriage or friendship relationships or, again, something like a speeding ticket or even a traffic violation or if you parked in the wrong place or we just don't do that very often. And the thing is about God is when he looks at our sin, we've actually deserved to pay. See, the thing is, God is holy, holy, holy. In Isaiah, it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now, in our common English vernacular way of talking, we would say God's very holy, or we might say very, very holy. But in the Hebrew mind, they repeated the word holy to say he's very, very, he's holy. And I know probably like you, for me, when I think of holy, I think of somebody who's so good all the time that I can't be near them because just being around them shows how unholy I am. Or maybe you think of holy as, as kind of maybe that judge figure and dressed in a back, black robe and maybe looking over their glasses at you and angry and upset because they know how unholy you are and they're holy and they almost look at you with disgust and disdain for who you are inside. And they can see right through you and know that's who you are. That's not really the holy that God is, though. Holiness in Scripture, it defines it as he's separate and above our sin. But what makes God so different about that is, yes, he's holy. He is so holy. And he's separate and different. You know what it's more like? It's more like if, maybe you don't have this anymore. I know when I grew up, we had nice dishes. Did you guys have that? And you brought those out for special occasions. And your mom said, if you break one of these you're in big trouble. Or I had a friend, I remember we went over to his house one day and we walked in from doing something, playing tennis or something, and right away I went into the, the first room as you walked in the house. I'd never seen a room like this. There were no footprints in the carpet. And I've never seen this before, but all the, the couches had plastic covers on them. And the lamps had plastic covers on the lampshades. And I walked in the room, I took two steps in, my friend said, stop, what are you doing? I said, just walking, and he's like, we don't go in that room. Like, what are you talking about? Because we don't go in that room. And then he quick went, and they had a, this, I know this is really weird, but this is true. He went, they had a rake for the carpet. And he went, and he raked out my footprints. I said, what is this room for? And he goes, special guests. I said, oh, okay, I see who I am. And he goes, well, no, 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 guests of my parents. They might have somebody over, and that's the only time they go in there. I said, oh, wow. He goes, that's a special, special room. 
okay, all right. That, that was where the rest of the house wasn't like that. It was like a normal house. I mean, a normal, normal, normal. But that room, I remember walking by there. Every time I was over there, I just felt a little creeped out by that room. Like I didn't want to get near it because I realized I, don't des- I didn't belong in there because I, dirt- I was common, normal. This is, <laughs> this is how, uh, I hope none of you have a room like that. And if you do, it's cool. It's cool as, lo- as long as if you invite me over, I guess we get to go in there. But... I was reminded a little bit of the book of Exodus when, no, when Moses, I almost said no, there's a little Bible quiz trivia there, a little test. Moses is up on the hill by himself and he sees the bush that is burning but not consumed with fire. And as he gets close to the bush, one of the things that the voice from the bush says, don't come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. You know what? God is holy like that. And us in our normal, fallen, sinful, normal condition, we're not holy like that. And really, we don't deserve to be in his presence because he is holy. He is holy, holy, holy. And because he's that way, he's given us certain rules. And I think a lot of times we look at the rules as restrictive and maybe we look at them as ways that God doesn't want us to have fun or maybe that he looks at us and he says, I'm so different than you that I can't relate to you at all and everything you do is wrong and bad. But that's not really true either. That's not really how it is. That's not who he is. The fact is he does give us rules, but those rules are for our protection They allow us really to experience God's best for us. That's what they're all about. I mean, think about some of his rules. Think about like the no lying rule. Why is that? He tells us that because he wants us, he's wanting to protect us and for us to be able to be trusted and to have a relationship where where trust is possible. If we're told to lie or if we think lying's okay, then you never know where you stand with people. He doesn't want that between you and him. The no stealing rule, the same thing. He wants you to feel safe around each other and safe with your things. I saw on Facebook just this morning, a good friend of mine there, they had two robberies in their cul-de-sac in their neighborhood here in Lee Summit. And the, the, little, the younger son was the one putting something on Facebook. And you can just read into his post how fearful he is now. Please pray for us that we would be safe. I thought, oh, how sad. Because that that veil of trust that we have with the world has been shattered for him god wants to protect you from that he wants to protect you from that i think sometimes about how the world it really just sits there and it it tries to seduce us you you know you look at tv and you look at movies and you look at at that world that's constructed there and really it's it's almost like the human heart is laid bare and they tell you that whatever you want just go ahead and take it And yet God gives us boundaries because we need those to live and to be safe in a world like this. Years ago, when I lived in California in in the L.A. area, it was a great fundraiser to take youth to a TV show taping. And I I know the first time I went, I thought the laugh track you heard on TV was fake. It's not. It's real. They actually have an audience there, and it can be two, three, four hundred people sitting in an audience, and they're laughing at what you're seeing on TV. They wanted it that way because they want a natural response, and evidently it helps the actors be natural. And, but I found very quickly I had to be very careful about what shows I took my students to because once you're sitting there in the audience, you don't know what's going to be in front of you. 
I remember once, I know this is old, but in a way it ties in, but you know that Boy Meets World show back years ago? Now that now those, the two characters, the main characters are there raising their own daughter and they've got a Girl Meets World show that's on right now. But remember we were at that, I thought it would be safe. And I remember at one point they had brought in some, a, a model who was popular back then and she was part of the show and they stopped everything and the producer literally said, we need, we need more of this model. I want, I want more of, the, more of the, stu- the kids looking at her and staring at her. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, what have we done? But that's what it's about. And we're in a sports season frenzy with the, with the Royals, which is fun, and the Cardinals, which is awesome. I just think it's great for Kansas City and, and for Missouri. I just hope it works out that way to have another I-70 series. Wouldn't that be cool? But with that, you've got to be careful about the commercials coming on TV. Because as kids are watching them, all that stuff goes right past the filters, and you can't even stop it. And there's a reason God has all that for it. It's like guardrails. He wants us to, to enjoy life and do things, but there's guardrails that he set up, but it's, it's really out of his love for us. I think years ago, this is stupid, but years ago I was visiting an aunt and uncle of mine, and we never had a train set up at our house. You guys ever seen that? You know, And it was near Christmas, and so... They were putting their train set up, and he had it up on this raised level, and it wasn't finished yet. And, and um, you know, he had showed me how to run it, and he goes, yeah, if you want to mess around with it. And they'd gone to bed, and I was staying up later. I was goofing around, and I thought, well, this will be cool. I'm going to see how fast it'll go. You know, what, what could it hurt, right? <laughs> you realize there's a limit to that. And it's important. It's important. And I, I don't know if you ever noticed this kind of, I, I know I'm making a really, maybe a too obvious point, but I'm making it for a reason, but... Even a train track is a guardrail of sorts. I mean, the train won't even work without it. It won't even go anywhere without it. I mean, it would just dig, and those, those smooth, smooth wheels that are on the train would just spin. But the track actually gives it direction and gets a, has a purpose involved and something that's meaningful. Well, there's also speed limits for that reason, I found out. So I thought, I'm sending it around the track at a certain speed, and I saw the little red on the dial as I put it over, but I just thought, well, let's see what the limit is. And I pushed it, and as it was flying around one corner in particular, and it went airborne, and then in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, if I break my uncle's train right here as it's crashing into the wall and they're coming out of bed, I'm like, oh, how embarrassing is that? You know, and it didn't hurt anything, but I was just embarrassed. But that's what God does for us. Those rules aren't meant. It's not like God's sitting up there and he's a prude and he doesn't want you to have fun or any of that. His rules provide a a way for us to enjoy life the way he meant for it to be. That's what it is. His, His rules are supposed to free us really from guilt. Think about something else his rules are supposed to do. They're supposed to free us from the repeated pain of sin after sin after sin. In our normal human condition, we just we fall into the same thing and we feed, we feed our lusts and we feed our, our addictions for sin and we just get deeper and deeper and we don't ever get out of it. And, and, and it doesn't even have to be all that salacious. It could be just your, your desire for gossip. You know how it is. You want to hear something more juicy the next time or, or you know that person you can get an interesting tidbit from about everybody else. And as you feed on that, you want more of it. That's normal human that is not a holy God, though. And he gave us limits and separation and distance from that because he wants us to be more like him. And he did it because he wants us to free you from that kind of pain. Think about the cycles of, of pain that you see in families. 
where there's maybe anger and yelling and, and abuse, and then the children grow up in that environment, and that's all they know, and that's the only way they know to solve problems. Or if in a home there's a certain way that, that pain and anger and frustration is medicated, and then we medicate that way as adults, and we just repeat that cycle. God has given us rules to keep us from doing that. From, he wants to free us from revenge and free us from all those things. God wants to make you holy. He wants to make you, he wants to make you qualified to sit in that room. <laughs> I remember thinking, whoever sits in there, I bet you they never use that room. I bet you there's nobody good enough to sit in that room. God wants to make you that good, that you can sit in his presence, that you can be with him, that you can enjoy relationship with him. That's what he wants for us. At Peter, first Peter says this, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like I'll never be qualified for that. I'll never be qualified for that, especially in a word, world that says do whatever you want. Just do it. Enjoy it now. That, that is in direct conflict with this kind of a thing. God will never be that holy. Well, our choices matter. Every single one of them matters. Everything you do matters. The important thing is not to believe the propaganda. I don't know if you've ever done this. Has anybody here ever read the original, like Grimm's fairy tales? The original? They're harsh. They are harsh. For instance, I don't want to freak, I, I hope I'm not, any really true Disney people here? Okay, just plug your ears for a minute, because what Disney does is tell us everything works out great, and your choices really don't matter that much, because eventually everybody lives happily ever after. In the Grimm's fairy tales, that's not how it works. People get eaten. They do. The wolf, the wolf actually shares like the grandma with Red Riding Hood or something. I mean, it's creepy weird. You're like, how can that be? Well, you know why? Because back then we taught people that really your choices can end in death and they're hurtful and damaging. But today we kind of believed a propaganda that you can do whatever you want and get away with it. I mean, how often have you seen on a TV show or a movie, like the characters have this, you can tell there's this love interest and a, and a tension between them and everybody hopes, well, I hope they'll get together and then there's no consequences for when they do outside of the way God planned that to happen. But that's the world we live in. They, we buy the propaganda and think it doesn't matter, but it does matter. All those things matter. You've got to ask yourself, I don't know if you remember this old computer term, junk in, junk out. I mean, so often we blame the computer and it's always operator error, isn't it? Ultimately, it's what we did. We did something, either we clicked on something we shouldn't have or we, we said yes to something we shouldn't have on a permission or whatever. That's kind of how it really works. And then if you compare what we put into our mind with what God wants to put into our mind... It's amazing any of us live righteous lives at all. Because you think about just how we're bombarded in our society today. Everything from a billboard to the magazines in the checkout counter to what's on your computer and what pops up that you don't even want. And I mean, it's amazing. And then let's say you have, let's just say you had 50 hours of, of all of that, TV, movies, you know, whatever, compared to what? I mean, we come to church for an hour or two, three a week. And hopefully that, that time is, is spent, you know, getting God into our heart and mind. And hopefully you're spending time in his word and praying. But even then, that doesn't compare to the mountain of information that's coming in on the other side. 
How do you walk in purity and holiness? How do you ever qualify for that room? Because <laughs> you're dirty. We're dirty. We're covered with it all the time. All the time. Here's the sad thing is, all of that stuff in the world, it's pulling on our heart to go the way our heart wants to go anyway. Our hearts are, are evil. That's one of the things, again, I'm not a Disney basher all the time, but that whole trust your heart thing, every time I hear that in one of those movies, I'm like, no, don't. Don't trust your heart. I know what my heart is. It's selfish. It's evil. It's, it does, that's what our heart is. And the whole world pulls us in that direction, and yet God is on the other side saying, come, child, I want to clean you up so we can sit in that room. I'll even take the plastic off the chairs. <laughs> Man, how do you do that? How do we enjoy a grace-filled life? How do we do it? Because you know what? Religion, I heard this recently in, the, in, our, in our married class. We were doing a session from Chip Ingram. It was a great session on parenting. And he was just saying... I can sum up what every religion teaches in two letters. Two letters. Every religion basically says do. Do this, 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 this. And then do it some more. Whether that's the five pillars you have to follow or the eightfold path or sacraments or whatever it is, if you do, 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 then you'll be qualified because you have to do all that to fit and to make it work. The beauty, though, of Christianity is It actually can be summed up in four letters. Done. D-O-N-E. Done. It's already done. See, the thing is, yes, the world is pulling us in one direction, and God is telling us, my child, I want you to live like this. And you're looking at it and thinking, it's impossible. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be clean enough. I'll I'll never do, do, do enough. And he says, you're right. And the great thing is, It's already done for you. It's already done. Already done. All religions require man to work to God, to climb to God, to scratch and get up there somehow. Christianity is the only one where God comes to man. And just like that story that never happened to me about the judge paying the price, in Christianity, he is the judge and he paid the price. He paid the price for you. You could never get good enough. I mean, the only way for you to get good enough were you, for you to die for all those sins. And we can't do that. I mean, if you, you, couldn't, you couldn't live that good. But God doesn't expect us to. Instead, what he does is he says, come to me and accept, for, accept the sacrifice I already paid for you. I've already done it for you. I've already paid for you. Christ didn't have to pay. It was something he gave to us. We owed the price, but he paid it for us. He didn't owe anything, but he paid the full price for us. I've I've talked to people who say, I don't get it. That just doesn't seem right. It's not fair. And I've said, you're right. (laughs) You do get it. You actually get it. Nicole and I have had a long-going conversation with somebody who says, I just can't accept it, though. It's not right. I feel like I still have to do things. We say, but that's what grace is. Grace is you don't. You have to accept his forgiveness, and then he starts to live and work and move in you and help to clean you up so that you can sit in that nice room with him. It's undeserved. It's unconditional favor. 
It's something that certainly you don't deserve. You can never earn. You can never, ever, ever get good enough. I love this too. It's free to you, but it cost him everything. It's free to you, but it was super expensive to him. So don't think it's cheap grace because it's not cheap. It wasn't cheap to him. Not at all. Not at all. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. I just I, I wanted to cut it into three pieces to emphasize each one. If you'd look at this for a second, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you tank, can't take credit for, there's supposed to be an it there. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us Long, long ago. Here's the thing. The cross was the most incredible example of all grace. Talk to people who are not Christians who say, why is the cross such a big deal? Why do you wear it? Why do you, why do you make a big deal about it? And I tell them, because it's the only thing that gets us to heaven. It is it. Without the cross, we don't deserve heaven at all, and we couldn't deserve it. We, we come to a holy God who is holy, and he says, look, you could never pay the price, but I'm going to pay it with the sacrifice of my own son. Him dying allows you to enter in there. That's what the cross is. And because of that grace, it produces amazing things in us. It produces things in us that we could never, ever, ever do on our own. Grace produces things in us. It produces a gratitude toward God. If you really understand what he did for you and the price he pray, paid, then you are so grateful to him that everything you do, you want to do to please him. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you behave. It produces in you a kindness and a love and a grace toward others. Because of his forgiveness toward you, you want to extend it to everybody else. People's people's sin isn't quite as horrifying to you not that the sin isn't horrifying but it doesn't offend you in the way because your heart goes out to them and you don't want them living in that kind of sin anymore it makes you someone who wants to extend the same same grace to them that god has given to you i can't stand there and say hey i'm in the nice room now you guys keep walking on because you're too dirty to come in no i want them to experience the same thing i've experienced and be able to enter in with me i love it Grace received means we give grace out. It causes us to want other people to experience what we want. I want them to know the peace that I have. I want them to know what it feels like to be forgiven and to be able to stand in the presence of a holy God free from guilt, knowing that I can embrace him and he can embrace me. Probably the best thing about this, though, is all my failure isn't final. How sad would it be if we lived in a world where we got to a certain age, let's say 25, and God said to you, okay, here it is, one mistake, and it's over. Can you imagine a world like that? It'd be all (laughs) 25-year-olds. Even as a Christian, I know that you, like me, we've we've come to Christ, we've asked for his forgiveness, we've, we've been in the nice room, and then we step back out and get dirty again. And for some people, they think, you know what? I can't do it. I've, I've failed over and over. It's too late. I've, God would never accept, accept me back. But the truth is, it's not like that. This happened the other night at dinner. We were kind of teasing 
our daughter, Grace isn't in here, right? She's upstairs. Awesome. <laughs> we are teasing her a little bit. She tends to be just a little dramatic at times. And uh, maybe a little was an exaggeration, but... Uh, so anyway, we're giving her a hard time, and she does this sometimes, and it's hard not to laugh when she does it because it sounds so final. She goes, you know what? She gets, stands up from the table. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. Like that, and we're trying not to laugh. You know? like, oh, really? She goes, I'm done with you. She goes, I'm leaving right now. And so she stands up, and there's a dinner. It was dark outside. So she goes walking outside and, you know, slams the door, and, and, the, and I'm like, wow. Like that, should someone check on her? And Theo's like, no, nah, it's dark out there. She'll be back in a minute. It's scary. She'll be back right in the house. And sure enough, the door pops open, and she's like, that's scary out there. And she comes back in and sits down. You know, she was kidding anyway or whatever. So then a little while later, Theo, it's awesome, kind of mocks her a little bit. Okay, so something happens, and Theo goes, oh, you know what? I'm done. Like that. So again, we're trying to laugh. So he goes out and slams the door, you know. And so, uh, and, uh, <laughs> so we're talking about it like, Okay, should we get him, you know, or whatever? And then, so I don't remember who said this first, but somebody's like, no, we should lock the door. And, uh, and, and Nicole's like, no, don't lock him out. And Lily's going, no, I'm locking him out. And so Lily goes and runs, and she, she locks the door. And then about two seconds later, we hear her scream, because he didn't go outside. <laughs> he faked us all out. He had slammed the door and gone around the corner. So then when she went to lock the door, he's like, ah, and she scared her. And it was awesome. <laughs> God never says that to you. He never does that. And who else could do that? You know how it is, like even, you know, Grace, when I'm done, you know, we're like, really? Because <laughs> it wasn't that big a deal. But you know what it is? When we sin, when we do that, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. And he could easily say to us, I'm done with you forever. And he doesn't. He doesn't do that. Instead, he opens up his arms and he says, Come back to me because grace means it's never, ever final. He never says, I'm done. It's never over like that. He doesn't do that. You were created to receive grace, and you were created to give grace. You were created to receive forgiveness and to dis- demonstrate forgiveness. How do you do that? What do you do with all this? How do you, what do you do? I don't know about you, but when I think through this, I want to live right, and I want to come before him, and I want to say, God, I'm sorry. Look in me and see whatever needs to be taken out. Make me holy. I want to be holy. I want to be in communion with you and and life with you day in, day out. But it's more than that. We are also called upon to extend that grace to other people. And there may be people in your life who, in a physical sense, hopefully you haven't done this, but maybe you have where you said, I'm done. I know families that that happens where they say, no more, you're out, shut you out. Whatever they've done, and I'm not saying what they did wasn't bad, it's probably horrible. You know what else? Those of us who are parents, our kids need to say, uh, see us demonstrate forgiveness, not only to them, but even to our spouse. They see, they see what happens in the house. And something happens, and you, they need to watch how that works. You need to model that in front of them so they see how it works, so they can then put that into their life and live their life like that. So when something bad happens, they see what it was, they own it, they accept it, they take responsibility, they make restitution, and then forgiveness is exchanged. Do you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. 
and we can move on from this. They need to see that model to people in their life, maybe someone at school, maybe someone at work. We need to be, we need to be people who take grace to a world that is desperate for it, desperate for it, to a, a dirty world who could never come into the presence of God and the only light of grace they have in, the, in their whole world is you. Would you stand up with me for a minute? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second for a couple reasons. One is it just kind of gives us a sense of, of just that it's just you and me. Privacy in a room full of people. The other reason is I really want you to focus on this question I'm going to ask. This first question is this. I don't know if maybe someone in the room today, maybe you've, maybe you've haven't ever had a relationship with God. Maybe you've never even heard it described this way before. Maybe you thought that it wasn't something for you, but now you maybe feel even a tension in your heart and you're thinking, I could be a Christian. I could, I could ask him to forgive me and I could have a relationship with him. Maybe you're in here today and you have walked away from him And you came to church today for whatever reason, maybe someone asked you or you thought you'd give it another try or you're just you're just here because someone asked you to be here. But even if you've been in relationship with before and you'd like to restore that, what I'd like to ask is if 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 you're either one of those people for the first time or you want to restore that relationship, would you just raise your hand really quickly? Because we want to pray with you if that's the case. Anybody at all? I'm going to give you just a minute here to raise your hand if that's you. For the rest of us in the room, what I'd like you to do is respond to this. I know, I know this not because I know the situations in your lives. I know this because you're probably like me. And there's times where you need to get clean again. And there's just some things that you need to take care of and you need to come to him Come down to this altar in a minute and just tell him, God, I need to fix some things. As Pastor Dennis was talking, maybe you're talking to God and you might say, I felt or this thought came to mind. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what he does. It's how he works with us. That may be you. There may be just a couple things that you feel like God would like you to clear up between you and him. But there's a second part to that. And I'd like you to come down if there's somebody who maybe in in your life you've as I was talking, maybe the Holy Spirit popped him into your mind and you almost had this dialogue with him like, no, I don't want to extend grace to them because of what they did. And maybe that thing they did or said or acted like that, that whatever it was became large again in your mind. And you know that you need to forgive them and you need to extend grace to them. But for you to do that, you need some help from God to do that. I would just like to invite you down. So as a, as a worship team leads us, I'd just like to invite you to come and spend some moments in prayer with him, either to clean some things up or to just extend some, be able to extend grace to somebody that God has put on your mind. Would you come?